Hello, we are Restoration Church Chicago and welcome to our podcast. You can connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission is to glorify Jesus everywhere, and that includes right here, right now. Thanks for tuning in. Can you hear me? It's coming through okay? I'm down here today. We keep playing around with being upstage, downstage. So, <laughs> but this Sunday, I'm on the platform down here. So we'll get it. We'll figure it out eventually. But it's nice to be able to share always. Um, it's a privilege. And I'm excited to share this morning. I'm excited to hear what God's going to say and what God's going to do. Because I feel like I have my message, but I felt like um, the Lord wants to do something through uh, what he wants to bring across this morning. So I'm trusting for that. So we can just open our hearts to him. Um, as you guys know, I'm sharing out of John 17, the finishing of the chapter starting up in verse 20. Specifically on the topic of unity um, is what I'm sharing on this morning, which is so prevalent in this final passage. And it's so much on the heart of God as our unity, as you can see in this prayer. Um, this is right before Jesus faces his death on the cross, and it's his final words between him and the Father. Um, It's like we're invited into this intimate prayer between Jesus and the Father by reading this. And he's praying for us. He's praying for us. So it's almost like we picked up a document or a letter that was written like 2,000 years ago and we find our name in it. It's that personal. It's that much meant for us today. Um, Jesus is speaking about us and he's speaking about his church and his heart for his church. So when we're listening to this or reading the message, uh, the prayer, we want to take it as if it's intended for us personally. And his heart is so clear. It's for unity with his plans and with his purposes on the earth. I've heard, the, um, I've heard passages, um, this passage taught on or even unity taught on in sort of a way, and I'm, I'm a little embarrassed to say, in a way at times where it's... Um, wanting the church to get behind a certain agenda. I don't know if anybody's ever experienced that. Unity has been used to try to get people on a certain agenda. Um, It could be justice, it could be some political issue, it could be um, other social issues, Um, but just using it to get the church behind an agenda. And I really don't feel that that's the heart of God in this. I've even heard um, Christians pray unity Lord, help us be united, and I hear that, and that's a wonderful prayer. However, I don't always know what is meant when we're praying for unity. Does that mean I hope everyone starts thinking like me, or I hope everybody gets on board with my agenda, Um, or are we truly seeking the heart of what unity looks like to the king, Um, and is it, you know, everyone being best friends and close and hanging out all the time? What does it look like? And so I want to unpack that this morning a little bit. Um, I felt God give me several points about unity. He just dropped them in my heart when I was prepping, um, three points. So um, we'll get to those. But I think instead, we should ask ourselves, each of us, am I united with the Father? Am I united with Christ in what his plans and purposes are on the earth? Am I picking up the mandate of heaven and what God is on about in the world instead of 
wanting God to get on with our agendas. And we already know that God is busy building his church. Jesus is passionate about the church. He's building the church. It's his vessel to reach the world. A people set apart, carrying his heart, carrying his mandate to a broken world. And it's advancing the kingdom. He cares about advancing the kingdom, right? Bringing his reign and rule on the earth, wherever the kingdom is, bringing the righteousness, peace, and joy um, through the Holy Spirit wherever we go, wherever there's sin, hopelessness, and despair. So God's on about those things. I believe the unity Jesus is talking about is each of us lying, laying down our thing or our agenda and picking up God's mandate in his heart, which is to make Jesus known to a world, to everyone in the world. And Jesus has given the same mission to all believers, um, but different churches obviously outwork it differently because of the context you're in, the city you're in, the people in your body, the opportunities that are presented. Like for us, we have Ryan works at Haymarket, so that's an opportunity that was presented to us. And I'm just using that as one example because it's not all outreach. Um, but obviously that's unique to us. Just like the people in a different church, well, they'll have different opportunities and they have different challenges in their cities. So it's the same mandate and mission, but it looks different based on the churches that God has called us to. So let's just read John 17, 20 through 26. I'm gonna read the passage and it should be up there for you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, Though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. So we can see here so much God's heart for the church and for us to know the Father, for us to know that God is love, for us to know God. I wonder if we look at the church today, and I think we all know the answer, would Jesus see a united church? And I, unfortunately, I don't think so. I think he would see a church divided over differences, sometimes petty, sometimes major differences, church loyal to parties, church loyal to uh, different denominations or sects, um, dividing over theology, distracted by all the issues of the day, even though some of the issues are real and big, they're not meant to distract us from the mission that God has given us. And I think when we, even with the vaccine and the COVID and all that, those things can become a distraction and take us off course of the mission that God has given his church. I think we would see a divided and distracted church at times. We only need to look at division among Christians today to see how much this message is needed. And Jesus had the foresight, the prophetic foresight to know this was gonna happen. And that's why he prays this so fervently for us to remain united. But I think that's by remaining in him. It's so clear, Christ in me, I'm in you, you're in me, and then we're all together. Well, in each other somehow, right? When you read the, the passage, which is very confusing. But to me, what I take from that in my simple understanding is remaining in the Father, remaining in love 
remaining close to God, remaining close to Jesus. And even if we take nothing else from this whole morning, I hope that you guys take um, that point of just remaining close to Jesus so that we can remain in love. So we can be a people that remains in love, in the love of God. The reason for your unity is very clear in the passage. It's so that the world will know that you sent me, the Father sent Jesus, and have loved them even as you have loved me. It's so the world knows that God is real and that he loves them. Because how else could a community exist that can have unity across all these different barriers of culture, tradition, uh, race, ethnicity, and maybe some of those are the same thing, social status, gender. How else could a community exist united except by God? How much, how much easier is it to just go kind of to a church where everybody is the same? I mean, we all know that churches like that do exist, and I'm not knocking them, but you know there are churches where everybody's the same color and maybe the same um, political party and the same kind of um, look, or some of them are all young, you know, hipsters. Like, you find churches like that, right? And that's kind of easy and desirable, but I don't, but when there's the unity that Jesus has, has asked of us, he wants us to be in a diverse body that can actually thrive um, when we're united in Christ. And we believe that. We believe that's the church that Jesus is building. So I felt God give me several points about unity. Firstly, and probably the most important thing that unites us is our shared love and worship of Jesus. It's our love and our devotion for Jesus that is the first thing that unites us, the main thing that unites us. It connects us even when there's barriers, right? Cultural barriers. One thing um, Hugh and I have found is when we go to other countries or other nations and, and go to churches in other nations, we don't know anybody there. We don't know anybody in the church, or maybe we know one person. Uh, we don't, they're singing in a different language. Um, you know, culturally it's very different. They do things very different to us. But it's, uh, there's this sweet sense of unity because we're all lifting up Jesus and we all love Jesus. So it's like this instant connection with the people there that we don't even know and we don't even share similar interests to. And it is so sweet, right? If anybody's ever experienced that, it's just this beautiful thing. And the only way is it's because we all love Jesus and we're all lifting up Jesus. And it's amazing how that unites us. Um, we've even been in like prayer meetings in other nations where everybody is shouting at the same time praying. It's not like they're trying to be polite and sensitive. They're all praying out loud at one time and worshiping and some are praying in tongues and it's just loud, it sounds like chaos and then all of a sudden somebody starts leading worship and there's no instruments and they just sing a song and everybody joins in and it's beautiful and it's so different to what we're used to, right? It's so different but we all just have this sweet sense of unity because of Jesus, because we're worshiping Jesus. So it's not the worship song or the worship style or our preference or how we do things that unites us at all. It's just the love and devotion for Jesus. And that is just beautiful. I mean, only by God, only God, a creator, loving God could do that. So we first unite around our passion for Jesus. Secondly, the unity Jesus is referring to, and this one um, I'm gonna take a little bit more time on because I felt to spend more time on this. It's not that everybody is, it's not our love for each other that unites us. We know we're supposed to love each other. We are, that will be the natural outworking of knowing God loves me is loving other people. And he tells us to love each other. 
But it's not our love for one another that first unites us. It's each of us knowing the love of God for us. It's the Father's love that we each have revelation of that unites us together. And that distinction is important. It's not a unity based on everyone else's love and acceptance within the church. It's not a unity based on um, us all being, you know, close, super close friends. It's a unity that of individuals who are secure and know that my father loves me and we're secure in that. And that's where we find our acceptance. That's where we find our worth and that we hear the father's voice saying, I'm called, I'm chosen, I'm accepted by you, God, the father. And from that place, we can have unity. And so I was thinking about that. Um, what does that mean or look like to be united under God's love for us instead of everybody's affirmation of each other and closeness to each other? And um, I, I felt like, um, and most of us know this, just as church grows, um, it's not always realistic to think that everybody will know everybody well, right, within the church. Um, we kind of can have that now, but however, it will change. And we may not, everybody will be able to know everybody intimately or closely. However, I will say um, everybody needs to know somebody well and let somebody know them well or a small group of people. I do think it's important um, to experience community that somebody knows you well and intimately. So hopefully that's where we're going, where we realize that everybody won't be like close friends, family, but somebody in the church should know everybody that's here. So if you're a person who feels united based on being close or hanging out all the time, maybe I can challenge you that that's not the unity Jesus is referring to. And if you're someone who feels like you just want to attend church but not let anybody know you, uh, maybe I can challenge those people this morning to allow others in so we don't miss out on the benefit of community of what God's given us. It takes courage to put yourself out there and let other people know you. It takes a lot of courage. But this brings me back to the importance of us being in the love of God and secure in the love of, that the Father has for us because then we can put ourselves out there and not feel like we're risking rejection or the things, um, the things that we feel, those insecurities. When we're secure in God's love, we can much easier reach out to people and reach out to others and let people know us and get to know others, if that makes sense. Community and friendship is so important. It's really more important now than ever has been for our salvation, for our growth, um, for our mental health. We have so much uh, mental health issues and even in the church. So for people's mental health and just quality of life, God wants us all to be in community and it's more important than ever before after what we've all been through. When we're securing God's love, we reach out. We reach out to other people. And I want to encourage all of us this morning. Uh, maybe we all know everybody right now, but maybe this message is for what's to come. But just encourage us all this morning to reach out to somebody. Reach out to people you don't know. Um, have people in your homes. This church started in a home, right? Uh, so just reach out. Have people in your homes. You don't have to host incredibly. It's not about the hosting. It's about letting people in our lives. It's about being in each other's homes. It's about building those close friendships. Real community is not attending church on a Sunday alone. As important as Sundays are, real community is not just in attending church. It's connecting outside of these, these times um, during the week. It's coming to prayer. It's 
coming to Connect Group. It's building and um, connecting with somebody else during the week. And you guys know that it can't all happen on a Sunday morning. So we want to encourage ourselves to keep doing that. And um, ask yourself if you're someone who's just happy to attend on a Sunday, on a Sunday, or am I being intentional in connecting with people outside of Sunday mornings? Am I being intentional because that's going to be a community that other people can join in and be loved and added to and feel loved and just kind of grow um, is a community that, that Jesus is building and that we want to be. But I don't think it will happen if we're not intentional on meeting and connecting and reaching out. So I want to encourage everybody to be active participants in the life of the church, um, not for any other sake except for that it's good for us and that God tells us to. Um, to have the real community that God is asking of us. God, in his in infinite wisdom and love, he cared for us so much that he puts us in community with each other. It's a real blessing and privilege to be able to be a part of a body, and it's because God loves us so much. And I know for me, I might be being too honest, but I think and trust everybody feels this way sometimes. You feel a little bit like, meh about church sometimes. Does anybody ever feel that way? We go through our moments where it's like, yes, I love church. I just can't miss a time or a Sunday. And then you go through your moments where you're like, meh, I'm not feeling it that much. I was just there last week. They won't miss me this week. Or even, you know, maybe somebody overlooked you last week or you didn't get, um, somebody didn't say hi or whatever. And so it's like, you know, they won't miss me. Um, or same, it's the same people all the time, right? It's like, I'll see them again on Wednesday, right? <laughs> so sometimes, being honest, sometimes we all can feel like that about church, right? Hardly ever. That hardly ever happens to me. So I find it, for me personally, it helps me just to um, be very intentional in thanking God for my church family and thanking him for restoration and thanking him for the people he's put in my life thanking him for each of you, thanking him for what he's doing in my life through the church. Um, I actually need to be intentional and change my own perspective and thank God um, and not just kind of bring my discontentment to him and say, fix it or somebody else fix it. But I actually have to take responsibility for that feeling or that thought that I have, um, which is understandable and we all have them. I, like I'm up here saying me, that's me sometimes. So this year I've started this habit of when we go to bed at night, or when I do bedtime prayers with the kids, I always pray and thank God for restoration um, with the kids at night when I pray. And it's turned into such a nice thing for me to do, just begin thanking God for our church, for our church family, for all that he's done in our lives through this church, for what he's done in us through this church, for what a blessing it's been to us and to everybody. So I want to encourage you guys just to do the same if you, if you ever have that feeling of meh, <laughs> blah, discontent, bring ourselves back to that place of just thanking the Lord and giving him gratitude. It's really a gift to have each other. It's an incredible gift. And then suddenly when I begin giving thanks, um, my attitude shifts and I feel grateful again. It's amazing how when we just do what God asks us to do, thank you, Cindy, I asked her to do that. <laughs> if I forgot and I started crying, thank you. Um, it's amazing how applying the word of God actually does bring freedom in areas in our lives. Now I got a little lost. 
even with offense, you know, sometimes people do, um, it's, if we're real, people, we, we do get offended at times. We feel unrecognized or overlooked. And kind of a funny thing is, you know, you end up going home sometimes and you just say, did you hear what so-and-so said about me? Or did you hear what they said to me? And then it's like, what do you think they meant by that? And then it's like the overanalyzing starts and the reading in, right? And before you know it, then we're involving a friend or we're involving our spouse in our offense and then trying to get everybody on board with how we're feeling. Um, and so I just want to take a side note to speak to spouses about how important. Hugh and I learned early on in ministry, um, which we did not always do very well, but to help each other think the best and to help each other come out of the negative thinking and the offense instead of contributing to it or getting on board with it, but actually help each other think the best of people, walk in forgiveness, walk in love, walk in purity of heart, um, those things. So I wanna encourage spouses on that this morning. Because I know it's so easy when you have intimate relationship to take up offenses for, some, for the person you're with. And it's a dangerous thing. So guard yourselves on that. And then when we know God's love for us, relationships are easier in the church. They become easier because we're secure. We have grace for each other. We extend grace freely, quickly, because grace that we know and that we experienced. And just less likely to get offended. God wants us to keep short accounts with one another. He wants us to be long-suffering, to be patient, to not be easily offended, and to forgive. That's what he asks of us. And we can do that when we are remaining in the love of God. When we are in the love of God and we know the Father's love, we can do that. When we believe that um, God adds people to local churches, we can look at the person next to us and say, and you guys can look at the person next to you as long as it's not a spouse. You can look to somebody on the other side and say, God placed me here with you. God placed you in my life. Toby, God placed you in my life. Kirsten, you're still in my life, but you're not in the church, so I can't use you. <laughs> Ernie, God placed you in my life. Marie, God placed you in my life. Um, and to learn and grow and spur each other on um, in our journey with the Lord, and our relationships take on more meaning and more significance, and you appreciate the people that are sitting next to you and realize it's not a coincidence, because when we believe we're saying yes to the Lord for where he has us, then we realize the person sitting next to us, God put us with to do this together. And so it's a supernatural thing, and the relationship takes on significance, and God uses those relationships to encourage us, to grow us, to strengthen us, and to mature us and to bless us, really. Being secure in God's love means we're not looking for our security in other things. I know you guys probably know this, but in the life of the church, I mean, we're all human. Sometimes our, we find our security in our doing, you know, being busy, contributing, and there's always a lot of doing that needs to be done. It can be in titles. It can be in positions or recognition um, or affirmation of others. So we all at times find our identity in those things. I know I have many times. And then when those things aren't there, we can wobble, right? Our security really wobbles. So being secure in God's love um, means that we still have those wobbles, but we can come back quickly to realize, no, that's not um, what gives me worth and value within this community, this God's community. I'm a son and a daughter. So we see God's plan, so much of his plan for the church in this passage of scripture. How else can people of different nationalities 
different backgrounds, different traditions and cultures and social statuses and seasons of life and politics come together and be in a community only by God, only by being surrounded by his love, staying in his love, being full of his love, just knowing the love of God is how we can have that unity. Romans 5.5 5 tells us it's the Holy Spirit who pours the love of God into our hearts and that's how we can experience God's love. It's through the Holy Spirit that actually pours his love into us so that we can love others. In this verse 26 of this passage, it said, I have made you known to them. So Jesus has made the Father known to us and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. You can feel how much Jesus longs for us to know the Father and the Father's love. Let's stay in that love. How do we stay in that love? I feel like God drop in my heart. It's by staying close to Jesus. It's by each of us staying close to Jesus. That's how the world will know. There's this loving God who cares for them and loves them. And they'll come and experience the love of God. And thirdly, the unity Jesus is talking about is sharing the same heart and the same mission to see the kingdom extended to all people in all nations. It's our mission that unites us. Our desire to see captives set free and prisoners released from darkness, to see the brokenhearted healed and restored, that unites us. So we unite around our common mission. God has commissioned us to bring the good news, to bring the kingdom of God. We have good news. We have the kingdom of God in our hearts and to demonstrate the kingdom of God, to actually demonstrate the kingdom of God. And that, of course, means casting out demons. That means healing the sick. That means all of the things of bringing the kingdom of God. And that's what we're commissioned to do here in Chicago because God loves Chicago. He loves Chicago. And that's why he's placed this church here. So we are called for such a time as this. We're called for this season. We're called for this time. We're called for this city to be a light, to bring God's love, even with all the challenges that we face in this city. We are called. And I want us to all hear that sense of knowing that God has called us to where he has us. It brings such a peace and a settledness in our lives and in our hearts when we know and believe, God, you've called me here. I'm saying yes to you. I'm faithful where you've put me, where you've planted me. I want to read, um, in closing, I'm almost finished, but I want to read um, Isaiah 61 over us, just God's commissioning over each of us. And I want to ask you guys to close your eyes um, as I read it, and just so you can focus in and hear, this is the commissioning of God for each of, and every one of us, um, and hear it as if it's for you. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captive and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. That's what we're called to. 
That's the commission given by God for each of us, each of us anointed, each of us called to carry his heart to a broken world, to comfort those who mourn, to release prisoners from darkness, to set captives free, to proclaim the goodness and the favor of God, which of course is through the gospel, the message of the good news of Jesus, to be oaks of righteousness. We can't be an oak of righteousness unless we have roots, deep roots down. An oak tree has deep roots. So to be oaks of righteousness, we need to say, Lord, I'm going to be where you planted me and put down our roots so that we can be those oaks of righteousness. When we are oaks of righteousness, I believe that that's when we see the ancient ruins restored, the places devastated in people's lives restored, proclaiming the heart of the Father to our city and to the people in our neighborhoods and workplaces. I believe Jesus envisions a mature church united under the banner of his love, united in our love for Jesus and our passion for Jesus, and united on our mission and purpose to bring his heart to our city and to wherever we are and to whoever comes through those doors to carry the love of the Father. It's each of us as individuals laying down our mission, laying down our preferences, our own personal agendas, our own thing. Hugh and I have had to lay down our own things um, to pick up the mandate that God has given us and the mandate God has given this church and to carry it together. People who will say, I want to use my gifts and my talents, my resources to be a blessing and for the kingdom. That's what I have for us this morning. I can pray. Do you want, are you want to? Okay. I'll just pray and then close for us this morning. Father, just thank you for this passage of scripture. Thank you, Jesus, for your heart. Thank you, God, for your love, Father. Thank you for your love for each person, Father. By your Holy Spirit, I ask that you would pour your love into hearts this morning, God. Pour your love into our hearts. Father, just let us be so deep in your love, God. Just so secure in your love, God. Knowing how much you love us. Let us hear your commissioning this morning, God. Hear your calling this morning. Hear your passion for people, for the lost, Lord, prisoners and captives, for those who grieve and mourn. Father, restore uh, the ancient ruins through us, Lord. We want to be used by you, God. We lay down our own things this morning, and we just take up your heart for our city, for the lost, Lord, and for the nations of the world, God. Thank you for this church, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing in and through us. Thank you for each person you've added, Father. Help us to be a blessing even more, Jesus. Help us to be a blessing. Help us to come along with with the things that you're doing, God, your purposes and your plans, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you for the peace and the unity and the righteousness and the joy and the refreshing that comes from being with you 
and being loved by you and being in your presence, God. We love you, Jesus. Thanks again for listening. We hope you were encouraged. Don't forget to connect with us through our website, restoration.life, as well as on Facebook and Instagram. 